0: doing the series From Honour to Blessing. And God is a God who wants to bring blessing into our lives. But God's Word teaches clear principles and honour is one of the most powerful principles in God's Word, along with faith and love and joy and peace. And so I want to speak specifically about the honour proposition that is put forward through God's Word. And in the book of Malachi, God brings a series of complaints against the nation of Israel who, from an outward perspective, are doing everything right. And that He complains about certain things. It seems kind of almost odd that God would complain when we're usually the ones complaining about Him. But it gets pretty severe. And His opening question goes to the question of honour. In Malachi 1 and verse 6, It says a son son honours his father and servants their master. If then I'm a father, where is the honour due me? And if I'm a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord of hosts. And God is not saying that in a sense of demanding honour, but He's saying if I'm really God, then where is the honour? Because He wants to reward us. God is a great rewarder. And some of us feel a little bit uncomfortable. Oh, I just did it. No, God wants to reward you. He rewards you for your faith. He rewards you for your faithfulness. He rewards you for your trust. And He rewards you when you put the honour proposition into your life. God is a great rewarder. And He loves to reward His children. In 2 John and verse 8, this is the beloved Apostle John writing towards the end of his life. And he says, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what you or we have worked for, but may have a full reward. He says, just keep an eye on what's going on in your heart. Keep an eye on what's going on in your thinking, in your attitudes, in your behaviour, he says, watch yourself, just pay attention because all of us can just slip into bad habits, bad attitudes, things that they're not honouring of God. And he says, the reason I'm telling you this is that so that you don't lose what we've worked for, that's one thing, but also so that you don't lose your full reward. And just a throwaway thought here, if there's a full reward then there's possibly also a partial reward. Where you partially honoured, you had partial faith. And God says, Now I want to give you a full reward. And if there's a full reward and a partial one, then I guess it's also possible that you could end up with no reward. In fact, the Apostle Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians, where he says, You'll pass through fire, and all that you, your works are wood, hay, and stubble, and they consumed. He's not talking about salvation, because that is of grace through your faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross. But he's talking about not just getting into heaven, but getting to heaven with a full reward. And God rewards honor. I want to draw your attention to a passage where Jesus is speaking in Matthew chapter 10, verse 41 and 42. And Jesus says, he who receives and welcomes and accepts a prophet because he or she is a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. It's an extraordinary thing. And the prophet's reward is the fulfilment of that which is prophesied over your life. So if you receive and welcome a prophet because they are a prophet, you get the prophet's reward. And he, whoever receives and welcomes and accepts a righteous man because he's a righteous man, doesn't say a perfect man, but a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. But what notice this. and whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of water because they are my disciples. Surely I declare to you, he will not lose his reward. And I want you to notice something here. He begins with the obvious in giving honor. The man of God, the prophet, that's the concept as he speaks into this uh, society 2,000 years ago where it was obvious, give honor to the man of God but he says if you find somebody who doesn't have the title or the status but they live in a godly life he says give honour to that person and you get reward and then he says even the little ones and he's not just talking about children it actually means little in influence little insignificant and it's kind of easy to honour those who are titled who have a position But it says, no, honour is something you give to everyone, the prophet, the good person and the little one, the one that seems insignificant, easy to overlook. One of the things that whenever we have a guest speaker or something, and I don't know them particularly well, I always try to observe how they treat somebody in a restaurant when we go take them for lunch or something. And if they're dishonouring there, I can tell you they'll never come back. I don't care how well they preached because this principle is about honouring people, treating people with respect and dignity. Honour will give you great favour with God. Proverbs 18, verse 17 and 18 says, I love those who love me, God speaking, and whoever looks for me can find me. And if you listening to this and you on a search for God, just keep searching, He will be found by you. And I have riches and honour to give. Sorry, (laughs) jumped down one verse, got a bit excited I did. God gives favour, God shows favour to those who honour Him, listening to their cries for help and saving them. God also gives success to those who honour Him. I love those who love me. Whoever looks for me can find me. I have riches and honour to give prosperity and success. And as we touched on last week, honour is a weighty matter with God. He says this, I will honour those who honour me. And I will despise those who think lightly of me. And we know that kind of phrase when we're not being respectful of somebody and go, oh, they're just a lightweight And God says, don't treat me like that because I will honour you if you honour me. And in honouring God, as we'll see, is honouring His principles, honouring His Word. But He says, if you treat me lightly, I'll treat you lightly. This is not about love. This is about honour and reward and blessing and success in your life. Scripture says in Proverbs 3, verse nine, and I find this so helpful when it comes to the topic of honour. Honour the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. And then it goes on to give an incredible promise. But I wanna just catch that first part of the phrases. Honour the Lord with. You see, honouring is not a passive thing, whether you're honouring God or other people. It's an active thing. It's something that you need to engage in. And he says, honour the Lord with something. And in this instance, it says, with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. And before I jump into some practical things of how we honour the Lord with certain things, we need to also acknowledge it's a hard attitude. Quoting the prophet Isaiah, Jesus says in Mark 7, verse 67, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce and they teach man-made ideas as commandments from God. And so while we Understand that honor is something you do by doing with this and with that and with that. You've also got to keep an eye on your heart. You see, you can obey without honoring, but you can't honor without obeying. Uh, For those of you who are parents and you've told one of your children to tidy their room, they may do it with a bad attitude. There's not much honor attached to it. Doing it. But obedience and honor come from the heart and then translate into an action. You can obey without honoring, but you can't honor without obeying. So, what do we honor the Lord with? Well, number one, we honor the Lord with our worship. And worship is a declaration that we are reliant on God, that He's greater than us. And we are giving adoration, we're giving giving reverence. And the Bible calls that the fear of the Lord. It's not a a fear that you withdraw in horror and expect to be beaten. It's that reverence of God that produces worship. And we do it with singing, we do it with raising our hands, we do it with clapping and all the other expressions of worship that are spoken to in the Bible. But it's more than singing. It's more than lifting your hands. It's more than clapping. It's how we value God that produces that worship. And as God said through the prophet Isaiah, you can go through all the actions, but if your heart isn't there, and so say, God, just connect my heart to my actions, my actions to my heart as I honor and worship you. Jesus said you should worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. I love that connection between worship and serving. That as you serve, and often it's in serving others in Jesus' name, it's actually an act of worship as much as singing or lifting your hands or clapping, maybe. In Timothy, Paul gives these incredible declarations about God's magnificence. And in 1 Timothy 1 verse 17, now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the God who alone is wise, be honour and glory forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. What declaration that is of just focusing on who God is to the king eternal, immortal, invisible. The God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So we honor God with our worship and that's a whole topic in and of itself. But we honor God by honoring his word, The psalmist says in Psalm 138 verse 2, I bow for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. I want you to catch that. The psalmist says, I bow in worship, in adoration, in obedience, because God, I understand that you have exalted your name and your word above everything else. And that's the confidence we have as those who follow Jesus that God is true to his word, that God is true to his promises, that his name secures his promises in the name of Jesus, name above all names. But I want you to catch this. We honor not just his name, but your word. And so it's not my way, not my opinion but your way, O Lord, that I'm really seeking. And the Bible shows us God's way. The psalmist offers up some incredible prayers, but in Psalm 86 and verse 11, I love this prayer. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honour you. I want you to notice that teach me your ways but perhaps more significantly in this generation where everybody talks about their truth my truth and your truth and God says what about my truth and the psalmist says it's all right to have all these opinions and it's all right to be searching and to be looking at things but ultimately I want to understand God's ways and God's truth and give me a humility of heart to obey that and to try to walk in obedience to that So that I may honor you, Lord. What flows from that is we honor God by living honorably. So we honor God with our worship, we honor God by committing to His word and letting His word teach us His ways and His truth. And the writer of Hebrews says this we are sure that we have a clear conscience. Desiring to live honorably in every way. And there's this intersection between the Word of God, your conscience and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure there's regular occasions in all our lives where we get challenged by that. And it's often in the little things of how do we live honorably. I went uh, into a shop recently and bought something it was was. Uh, a whole lot of cans of drink and, and uh, as I pulled it out of the fridge I actually knocked a loose can to the ground and immediately put it back thinking oh, I'll just put it back and paid for it and was driving away and I had this picture in my mind that can was actually damaged that I just put back and there was this kind of oh, I've got to go back and fix this And I'm trying to rationalise it. Well, I'm sure they have right-offs in the shops. I'm sure it was just an accident. It's not like I did it. Well, I just couldn't let it go. And I knew the guy they would think I was weird. So I went back in and bought the single damaged can. I said, I'm sorry, I knocked it off the shelf and I just need to fix this. And he kind of looked at me like, And he's actually an incredibly shy guy that I've tried to have a conversation with a few times. And um, so I left and he looked embarrassed. I felt a bit embarrassed like this is just weird, you know. Well, I went in there yesterday and the smile on him says, and it's the chattiest he's ever been. And I just thought it's amazing how these little things, and I'm just using them to illustrate, yeah, these are the big things, but it's often the little things where people go, well, that's different. Paul says in First Corinthians 6 and verse 12, I have the right to do anything you say. But he says, I want to tell you that not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, he repeats, but I won't be mastered by anything. What he's talking about is under grace, we have extraordinary freedom in Christ. But he says, balance that against living honourably. Yeah, you have the right to do anything, but does it actually benefit you and is it blessing others? This is this issue of honoring God's ways and His words. He says, you can say I have the right to do anything, but is that thing that you feel a freedom in actually mastering you? And he comes to this conclusion that it's extraordinarily confronting. You are not your own. Another translation says, You don't actually belong to yourself. Now, I'm talking to people who declare that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. Those who have chosen Christ. He says, You don't own yourself anymore. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies, with your actions. And I think this issue of freedom that Paul discusses in 1 Corinthians 6, I can do anything under grace. And after all, I've got my rights, you know, I've got rights. And he says, I want to remind you as a follower of Jesus, you gave up those rights when you said, be my Lord and be my Saviour, for you were bought with a price. And this strikes at the very heart of postmodernism. The notion that we establish our own identities and have this autonomous freedom. And I want to try and balance it. We have extraordinary freedom under grace, under Christ. But we were bought with the price. And Paul's basic answer to, I can do anything, I'm free, is now actually you're Christ's slave and ultimately responsible only to God. I want to touch on this quickly, but... To so move towards the end of this message. You honour God with our giving. Honour the Lord with the, your wealth and the first fruits of what you produce. And then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. He's obviously speaking to an agricultural society there. But translate that into the modern day. Honour the Lord with, and it's with the first fruits. It's with the best. That hard attitude, God, I want to bring the first and the best to you. And it's not just about money, it's about whatever's valuable to us, our talents, our time, our contribution to others. And there's something in this that in the giving, in the tithing, we are establishing God's sovereignty over our finances. And every single time you do it, you're actually in a test. God says, I'm gonna test you. Are you gonna put me first with your pay packet? Are you gonna put me first with your talents, with your gifts, your abilities? Or am I going to get leftovers? Are you going to put me first is God's question because it's the first fruits. But at the same time, he says, if you give your best, you can test me and I will reward you because you've honoured my word. You've honoured this principle. Malachi 3.10, put me to the test as the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. And perhaps in hearing this message, this is a step of faith that you need to take. Yeah, God's testing you whether you'll give him the first, the best, but you can test him and say, God, I'm putting you to the test on this. He invites that. And the final thing is we honor God by honoring ourselves. You honor God by honoring yourself. The enemy doesn't want you to know your true value as a son, a daughter of the Most High God. Because He knows if you know who you are, you will be more powerful, more committed, more diligent, more tenacious in every single thing in advancing God's kingdom. And your value doesn't come from your performance. Your value comes from the value that God places on you and the value that He places on each and every one of us is that He sent His only Son, His beloved Son, to die for us. That's extraordinary value and dignity placed on every single human being. Peter puts it this way. God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. God sent His Son to save you from an empty life, a life that is just selfish, small, introspective, He says, no, I've got something much bigger than you. I've got destiny and purpose for you. I don't want you to live a small, empty life. That's why I sent my son. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. And he's referring to the death of Jesus on the cross, the incredible value, the enormous value that God placed on you in order to bring you and I back into relationship with Him.